Welcome to the Lost Then Found Podcast. This is a space where we discuss life, share truth, and gain an encouraging perspective no matter our season or our circumstance. I am your host, China Vogel, and this is a peek into my personal journey of being lost then found. Welcome. I am so glad you are with me this week. And friends, we are starting a new series called Trials and Trib this week. And this theme of like uh, just going through the trials of life and kind of that uh, that thematic thing has been something that's been revolving in my life over the past few years. And I know I'm not the only person who's, who's been having stuff going on and, um, maybe is kind of learning through those things. And because, you know, it's life, right? So great example was last week. I ended up fully losing my voice. Uh, If you didn't know that, that was kind of a perfect storm what happened. So it was the natural rhythm of life of being a mom, of singing, of, uh, then you add in like weather change. And then we had some sinus stuff going through our house, like some sort of sinus infection. And so, uh, with all of that together, I ended up getting knocked out for the count. So I think as of Tuesday or Wednesday last week, I got down, I think it would have been Wednesday. I got fully knocked down to just like a whisper by the end of the day. I couldn't even produce sound. (laughs) Uh, So uh, to say the least, like I was just like, oh man, I really want to have my voice right now. But something good that came out of it was that hopefully you got to hear my chat with Ashley over at T at 10. If you haven't, I would really encourage you to go check out her page. She posts amazing biblical content uh, on a weekly basis. Um, So you can check her out on Facebook at T at 10. uh, And that is Ashley. Um, But, you know, as I was preparing to talk with her a few weeks ago, and then I ended up posting that audio for our episode last week in lieu of me actually (laughs) talking, um, as I was preparing for that conversation with Ashley, that theme of like the trials of life and um, just this, that theme just kind of bubbled back up to the surface. And that's an idea that even before I started the podcast, I knew this was something that I was going to hit on eventually, but wanted to make sure the timing was right. And it seems like the time is right. So, uh, so we're going to go there. So we are starting off this series and I am, um, really excited just to share about my own experiences of what that's looked like in my own life, my own trials, my own pain. Uh, and then that paired with the revelation and the power of God's word. Um, and, and just to be able to share that with you and hopefully that'll speak to you somewhere, somehow in your own life. And so that's what we're going to be diving into today. Uh, and by kicking off with the book of Job, how exciting. <laughs> and to be honest, uh, this is a book that I wouldn't say that I've avoided, but I don't go like hang out and read Job, right? And uh, I mean, it's just kind of sad, right? Like if you know anything about the book of Job, there's a lot of suffering. There's a lot of like loss and sadness and conversation and dialogue in it. And uh, it just... It was never something that I wanted to go look at. And then 
in light of preparing for this today, man, God had a way of just bringing that out and it has so (laughs) spoken to my heart. You know, actually this morning, um, so my husband, uh, he in actually within a matter of two months has lost both of his grandmothers, um, which is really sad. Um, they both lived really full, great lives. Um, but his dad's mother actually passed away. And so we had her funeral this morning and I had already prepared, uh, what we were going to share and talk about today and then planned on recording it once I got home and the the opening scripture is one of the the key ones that I'm sharing today out of Job. And I reached over and grabbed Justin like, you know, when you feel like the Lord just keeps pinging you with maybe the same chunk of scripture or the same theme. And you're like, oh, I know that's the Lord. Like he's, he's confirming something. He's speaking something, right? And so I just know that this is a timely word, right? Life is not easy. And I know that's not just for me. I'm not alone in that. (laughs) Um, But there are some really great things that we can not only learn from the Bible, but learn from the book of Job. So let's dive in. So just to give an overview of the book of Job. So it's a story about a man named Job. uh, And verse one actually says that he was blameless and upright. He feared God and he shunned evil. So he was a good guy, like he loved the Lord. Um, and he was also wealthy. He had, he was actually, I think it actually says that he was the greatest man of all the people that were in the East, um, which that's like no small thing, right? And that kind of sets this stage that like he's this holy man, he's this blessed man. And it sets this conversation that ends up happening between Satan and the Lord and between God. And so we kick off in verse eight, chapter one, and it says, then the Lord said to Satan, have you considered my servant Job? For there is no one on earth like him, a man who is blameless and upright, who fears God and shuns evil. And Satan answered the Lord, does God, does Job fear God for nothing? Have you not placed a hedge on every side of him, around him in his household and all that he owns? You have blessed the work of his hands and his possessions have increased in the land. But stretch out your hand and strike all that he has and he will surely curse you to your face. Very well, said the Lord to Satan. Everything he has is in your hands, but you must not lay a hand on the man himself. Then Satan went out from the presence of the Lord. And this started a kind of a series of events, attacks, um, losses, trials that happened to Job out of that conversation. He ends up losing all of his sheep, all of his ox, all of his donkeys, all of his camels, loses servants, loses his seven children that end up dying. He got attacked uh later on with sickness and boils. And then his, his own wife was even cursing him. And so he did end up having friends who showed up to sit with him, who mourned with him, which is a good thing. Um, but then they ended up having this dialogue, which is actually a good portion of the book of Job and having this dialogue where they're kind of sharing their own opinions. They're commenting on him, commenting on God and God's character. And a lot of it isn't helpful or isn't accurate. Um, a lot of it is, uh, accusing God or accusing Job. And so this is just a bad season for Job. 
this is a rough, this guy has had a rough go. And it does end well. The story does end well. But we're going to pause here in our story because this causes us as the reader to ask some pretty, pretty big questions. And it's one that I've actually heard a lot um, as I've talked with friends, as I've uh, talked to family, as they've experienced hardships. And it's this question. If God is fair and loving and kind, then why does he allow bad things to happen to good people? I'll say that again. If God is fair, if God is loving, and if God is kind, then why does he allow bad things to happen to good people? Why did this happen to Job, a man who was blameless and upright? How could God allow so much to happen to such a good man, a good God-loving man, a good God-serving man? How could he actually be good to allow that? And the book of Job reveals some really important things that we need to look at to allow it to shape our understanding of not only who God is and how God works, but how this can apply to our own lives. So number one, God allows Satan to test Job to reveal his true nature and his heart's intention and his motives and really to test his faith. And Satan used that to test Job because Satan wanted to break Job because <laughs> that's what he does. Satan comes to, the Bible says it very clearly that he is the accuser and that he comes to steal, kill, and destroy. Uh, but Genesis fifty twenty. It says, you intended to harm me, but God intended it for good to accomplish what is now being done, the saving of many lives. And friends, that is true in Job's story. And it's true in your story because it's true to who God is. That even though there are trials in life and even though there is testing and there's stuff that either we don't, we bring on ourselves or whether we're just innocent bystanders of, or if it's the work of the enemy, this negative input can come into our lives. We can be impacted by it. But the reality is, is God is going to work it to accomplish good, to, to accomplish a bigger end goal. So God did allow Satan to test Job to reveal some of the underlying stuff in Job's heart, in his motives, and in his faith. And number two, God's actions and reasons are above our ability to comprehend so we need to be able to resolve that as a fact in our hearts. And that's hard. That's hard. That's hard as a um, thing to wrap our head around because I know for me so often I think that I have the full picture when I'm making an assessment about something or about someone or someone's intentions or their character. So often I'm very hasty <laughs> to make assumptions about people or to, to do things in haste. But the reality is, is that's not what God does. And that's not who he is. He's not comparable to us because he is God. <laughs> and we need to be able to resolve the fact that his ways are higher than our ways, that, um, his thoughts are higher than our thoughts, that he has so much more that he has, that he's it, like the cards are laid out in front of him, Right. And so we have to be able to resolve in our hearts that, no, you know what? Even if I don't understand all of the, the circumstances here, maybe I don't, but I trust that God does. 
and that his actions and his reasons are good and that they're higher than my ability to judge or to criticize. (laughs) And when we do that, we end up kind of taking on the same posture that Job does in the book of Job. He ends up really taking on humility, uh, which I believe is what turned the tables for him. Um, the Lord responds to a humble and a contrite heart. Like that's, that's all throughout scripture. In verse 42, in chapter 42, verse two, it says, then Job answered the Lord and said, I know that you can do all things and that no purpose of yours can be thwarted. Who is this that hides counsel without knowledge? Therefore, I have uttered what I do not understand, things that are too wonderful for me, which I do not know. And that was Job 42, 2 through 3. Job is calling it out. He's saying, these things, I've talked about stuff and it's actually above me. I actually didn't know about it. I shouldn't have been commenting on it. And Isaiah 55, 8 through 9 kind of captures a similar heart. It says, for my thoughts are not your thoughts and neither are your ways my ways, declares the Lord. And verse nine says, as the heavens are higher than the earth, so are my ways higher than your ways and my thoughts higher than your thoughts. God clearly states like, hey, my my ways and my thoughts are are beyond your ability to comprehend. So we need to be able to resolve that God's actions and reasons are above, are above us. And when we submit to that, there's humility that comes. So number one, God allows Satan to test Job to reveal his true nature, right? God's actions and reasons are above our ability to comprehend. And number three, our foundation gets challenged in this. And what it actually ends up stating and kind of revealing in the book of Job is that Job's foundation and our foundation cannot be based on our blessings, our positions, or the things that we get from God. (laughs) But instead, our foundation for our faith is actually dependence on and trust in God. It's trust in his good character and it's trust in his good purpose. So I'll say that again. So our foundation cannot be based on our blessings, our positions, or what we get from God. But instead, our foundation is based on our dependence and our trust in God, in his good character, and in his good purposes. And so often, friends, we can look at the gift in God's hand rather than looking at his face. And I know that's been a, um, an, uh, I want to say evolution that I've gone through. And I think that's just us working on our salvation and kind of realizing like, oh, this, there's something so much bigger than myself <laughs> going on here. I think we can get so inward focused and so selfish. And I'm like, I'm saying that like I'm front of the line, guys. And I know for me that when my motives have been tested and that, um, been it's been revealed through the pressures of life that have come i can i can say that what's been revealed has been self-seeking and i'm looking for things that benefit me that are looking that i'm looking to advance me and mine and 
we are sinful by nature. And I tell you that, and I say that not as a easy way out to be like, well, I'm sinful, (laughs) but no, like I want to encourage you that if that's confronting you, if you realize like, Hey, I do that. I look for the gift rather than his face. I'm looking for his hand rather than for his face. I say that to you because, uh, we need to disarm the shame of what your sin and what the enemy of your soul would want to say about you through that sin, through that misalignment, because the enemy would want to tack that on you and let you um, think that you have to stay there, <laughs> let you think that that's all that you are, but you are not defined by your sin. You have a loving father. You have a loving king, a loving God, that when we come close to him, that his grace is sufficient enough for no matter what our sin is. And he can and will change us if we ask. Hebrews 4, 15 through 16 ends up clarifying it so well. So Hebrews 4, 15 through 16, it says, for we do not have a high priest who is unable to sympathize with our weakness. No, we have one who was tempted in every way that we were, and yet he was without sin. So then let us approach the throne of grace with confidence so that we may receive mercy and find grace to help us in our time of need. So friend, if you realize that your foundation is on um, anything than other than what it should be on, if you're looking for uh, the benefit, if you're, if you feel like, um, you're realizing that maybe your love for the Lord and your devotion and your commitment is based off of how you benefit out of that, then friend, all it takes is turning and repenting of that. Let us then approach the throne of grace with confidence. You can approach that throne that's full of grace and full of love because that high priest, Jesus, knows what it's like to be human. And he has empathy for you. He has care for you. And he will give you mercy and grace to help you in your time of need. So number three is that our foundation has to be on Uh, based on the dependence on and trust in God and who he is. And it can't be based on our blessings or position. And then number four, God did allow Satan to test Job with trials, but God used it to ultimately strengthen Job's faith and to purify him of anything that doesn't honor God. So God will do that in you, friends. He did that in Job. He let Satan sift him. And that uh, testing, that refining is going to produce good things in you. It's going to purify you of your impurities and it's going to leave behind something so much better. And as I was thinking about this, it just so uh, reminded me of something that I feel like the Lord's been highlighting for me in life anyway. But like, it's amazing how literally all of creation is like pointing back to him. (laughs) It's pointing back to who he is towards his handiwork, towards his goodness. And uh, gold is actually one of those things that is like, it's talked about in scripture. It's referenced a lot. Um, But it's one of those things that's really uh, got a parallel thing here that what you go through and what gold goes through 
to get to the good on the other side um, isn't really that much different. You know, gold is kind of this thing that's dug up. It's mined. It ends up having to be processed and filtered. And it ends up getting refined and put through fire and testing and pressure to purify that element. So only gold is left because everything else burns up, right? And then there's this beautiful gold that is left behind. And friends, trials in life are the refinement for you to get gold in you. Testing, uh, loss, grief, trial, <laughs> all of it, all of it is there and it. the Lord wants to use it to benefit you, to purify you, and to bring about the best out of you, to let only the good be left. And that's what it did for Job, right? It He was tested, but it purified his faith. It purified his motives. And 1 Peter 1, 6 through 7 talks about this, that in all of this, you great, greatly rejoice. It's talking about this as in your trials, your testing. Though now for a little while, you may have had to suffer grief in all kinds of trials. These have come so that the proven genuineness of your faith, which is of greater worth than gold, which perishes even through though refined by fire, that that may result in praise and glory and honor when Jesus Christ is revealed. Friend, the trials of your life have purpose. They had purpose for Job and they have purpose for you and they have purpose for me. So back to our storyline. So those are some of just some some things that we can take away from the book of Job, right? That God is good, that he is, he did allow testing to happen, but it was unto something greater, that it revealed that it, where our foundation actually needs to be. It revealed that God's actions and reasons are bigger than our ability to weigh out and comprehend. And friend, it, it really kind of pinpoints this, um, this other secondary thing that's going on here. And so often we want to ask that question, man, how, how could there be such a good God who would allow such bad things to happen to good people? And it might even allow us if we start chewing on that to arrive at thoughts like, well, God must not be good or God must not be loving or God must actually not be in full control since evil exists. And so I just would challenge you to reframe maybe those questions. I think those are all, um, that initial question is valuable. And it's okay to wrestle these things out with the Lord. But I want to encourage you with some truth and maybe some reframing with the word of God. Not my opinion, but with what the the truth says, Right? Truth says that God created the world, including humankind, and that sin was introduced into the world, even though that was not his design, but that was introduced by Satan and by human, the human sinful nature. So sin exists. So therefore a broken and fallen and sad world exists that has sin and death and destruction. And these aren't consequences of a bad God or God who isn't in control, 
but it's because of a broken world with sin and sinful people. But because God is good, because he is working even though the bad exists, he's working it towards his good purposes. It actually proves all the more of his goodness that he is working even in the heartache to develop something better in you, through you, for you. That in a world where it is rebellious towards God and towards the things of God, that he still is merciful, compassionate, and he's still pursuing to work despite the opposition. So God is good but the world is broken. And so I would encourage you to read the book of Job, but here's some takeaways that um, I came to and that I discovered as I was kind of digging that I think can impact your life, that I think it can impact and reframe how we view our own suffering and our trials. And friends, I have that like, I plan on kind of covering some of that in this series, but um, there's definitely, I've had those moments where I've been like, okay, I'm actually over this. <laughs> you know, there's, there's so much that we can handle and then it's like, all right, white flag, I'm done. Um, and I have that in my own life with our, with our own struggles um, and our own, our own trials over here. But I think some of these questions and some of these takeaways can be really helpful in us maintaining, grabbing a hold of, and keeping perspective, whether we're on the other side of trials looking back, whether we're um, heading into them and we don't know it yet, <laughs> or maybe you're in the middle of it and you're like, you're feeling it, you're feeling weary and worn. So I hope this helps you. I hope it helps you because it helped me. So what can you take away? Number one, we stop asking the why and we start asking what. We stop asking why and we start asking what. So this is not so much about the why, like the why would God do this? The why is this happening to me? And those are important questions, but there's a a better angle to ask. And that is the what? The what is God showing me? What is God trying to teach me? What is God speaking to me? And what is he trying to refine in me? And friends, that shifting was kind of pivotal for me because I think so often the why allows us to feel um, paralyzed like I'm a victim and this is happening to me and I have no control over it. That kind of, it can, can really foster that spirit if we're not careful. Versus the what. If we ask, no, what is God showing me? That, what that is, what is God speaking? What is God trying to refine in me? That's positioning us in a different place. Us asking what allows us to not only invite God in to speak to that and to show and reveal us stuff, but it also positions us to be proactive, to be activated, right? That, hey, I'm not a victim in this and this isn't just happening to me. And there may be not much I can do. There might be stuff that's fully out of your control, but there is a whole lot that I can do. And I am not a victim because Jesus Christ has given me all, 
all power and all authority that I need to live victoriously, right? So you are not a victim. And friend, maybe that right there in and of itself is like, maybe it's pinging you, maybe it's convicting you, maybe it's like blowing your mind right now. But let me assure you, you are not a victim. Maybe there are things that have happened to you. And friends, there are things that have happened to me that I didn't have control of and where I was um, victimized, right? Like I, I was out of, not in control of those things. But the reality is, is that the Lord is working all things for good. You are not a victim and you can live above those things. You can live above what's happening to you or happening around you. And we have to, if we want to do all that God's called us to be, if we don't want to miss the bigger picture, if we don't want to get stuck there, we have to shift from asking why to start asking what. So number one, stop asking why, start asking what. Number two, we need revelation over information. So we need revelation over information. We need revelation over opinions. Because friends, Job had opinions. Job had information. His friends had all those things. His wife had all those things. But that isn't what turned the tide for Job. Ultimately, God, it was God's hand, but it was a revelation of God. Like God showed up and revealed his power and his majesty it was a revelation. It wasn't just like factual information or people's opinions. No, it was God showing up and revealing. And so that's what he actually needed. That's what Job needed. And friend, while friends and family and people of importance in your life, I would even say even pastors, like, and I'm married to one, like they are good and they're going to have commentary and they're going to have opinions and there is a good thing in getting wise counsel. Like I'm not negating that that is biblical. That is right. But friend, more than opinions and more than information from other people, you need a revelation of, and you need a revelation from God. That is what you need. That needs to be your soul focus, your soul aim. You don't need to go get somebody else's buy-in. And and once again, I'm not negating good counsel. Like I stand by that. I do it in my own life. But friend, you need to hear from the Lord. You need to see the Lord. You need um, to encounter him. You need to have a revelation over information. So how do we get a revelation? We pursue him. Like he is a speaking God. He wants to reveal himself. And it sounds simple, but read your Bible. <laughs> like ding, 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 ding. <laughs> read your Bible. He speaks through his word. It is living. It is active. He wants to speak to you. He wants to reveal truth to you. He wants to reveal it far more than we desire it. <laughs> far more than we're hungry for it. He wants to. So you do what you need to do. You read your Bible. You spend time in worship. Shake up your schedule if you have to. Like start saying no to a lot of stuff to create margin, to make room, and create space for him to come and reveal things to you. And I promise you he will. I reference this verse a lot 
And it's because it's one that in my own weakness, I have fallen face first on multiple times. So it's James 4, 8. It says, draw near to God and he will draw near to you. Cleanse your hands, you sinners, and purify your hearts, you double-minded. And friends, we are double-minded. <laughs> we are sinful. We are like clouded in and of ourselves. We need to draw near to him because our wisdom is not what we need. Other people's wisdom is not what you need. You need God-ordained wisdom, and that can come through other people. But you can also, like, you have access. You don't need a mediator. You don't need someone to stand in between and be like, well, this is what God's saying to you. I think God can use people and he's done it in my own life. He does it with my husband all the time where my husband ends up being a mouthpiece for the Lord for me. But friend, you need to know that you're hearing the voice of God. One, one way or the other, you need to know you're hearing the voice of God. And so that verse, that drawing near, he will draw near to you. You go close to him and he's going to say, oh child, I'm right here. And friends, that is a promise we can lean on. And I want you to grab a hold of this visual image. As I was preparing, it struck me like you're leaning on it like a crutch, like you have a bum leg and you lean on a crutch. You can put your full weight on it and you can know that you will not have that promise give way under you. That's that's what it means to lean on the Lord, to trust in the Lord that his power is perfect in your weakness. So let your weakness rest on it. Let it rest on the truth of God's word and his power will be revealed to you. <laughs> so number one, stop asking why, start asking what. Number two, it's revelation over information. And number three, we need to follow the leader. So who's the leader? <laughs> it's God, right? And God sent Jesus to be the example for us to follow. So that is the leader. Jesus is what we look to. That's why we study scripture. We're learning from him. We're getting revelation from him. But we're also looking like, hey, that's that's who Jesus is. That's his character, right? It's another side of God that we get to see. And Jesus is our redeemer, right? He's our savior. He's our friend. And he came to the earth and he felt and experienced what it was like to be human, to experience suffering. And him being fully man and fully God, but as man, he suffered. He was attacked. He was abandoned. He was persecuted. He was beaten and he was murdered. And he chose, he willingly chose, even in his pain and even in his trial, even when he said, take it from me, if you would. <laughs> he said that to God right in the garden, but he, he, he wrapped up in the same breath, not my will, but your will be done. He trusted in God's bigger plan that was bigger than his momentary pain and suffering. And God accomplished something so amazing through Jesus' faith and his perseverance. He continued, his faith was tested, and God can do it with you. And he can do it with your faith and with your perseverance. Like that is the model that we follow. So persevere, persevere, don't give up, <laughs> man. That's just coming to mind now. I don't, I don't have the address 
but you know, you don't give up because in the proper time, you'll reap a harvest of righteousness. Like don't give up friend. Don't give up. If you've got lack, God can fill it. If you feel weak, he's strong, but we need to follow the leader. We follow who Jesus was, who his example was. We look to that and we follow it. And then the last point here, we anticipate the trial. Friend, we are not guaranteed a trial-free life. It would be really nice, (laughs) but we're not. And Jesus says in John 16.33, says, In this world you will have trouble, but take heart. I have overcome the world. We take heart because we know that Jesus conquered sin in this world, that he beat it. He beat it when he took that breath after he died, (laughs) after he was put in that tomb. When he took that breath, he conquered sin. He conquered shame and death and made a way, right? He overcame all of that. And he came here to provide um, access for us to be in relationship with God directly. That there was no longer the need for um, separation because of God's holiness and our sinfulness. No, like Jesus paid for us. He, uh, was the atoning sacrifice for us. So he, he was the thing that, uh, covered our sin. So that way we can come into relationship with God, holy and blameless in his sight. So we have hope. We have a hope that is beyond this world and beyond this life. And not only because Jesus came back, but friends, he's coming back. <laughs> he's coming back. And I, I really think that at the end of this, this series, we're going to head into a study on Revelation. Um, but man, that is something that's so getting lit up in my heart. Like he's coming back and that he will wipe away every tear. He's going to bind up every wound. <laughs> And he is returning to purify and to set every last wrong record right. <laughs> and even when this lie feels so real right now and the pain and the trial feels so like present, friends, it's momentary in light of eternity that is coming in the presence of Jesus and God. So we anticipate the trial. We know it's coming, but we take heart. (laughs) So to recap, your takeaways, your um, tools as it was for this week, as we look at Job, as we look at trials, as we look at tribulation, number one, we stop asking why and we start asking what. What are you trying to teach me, God? What are you refining in me? What are you trying to do in me through this? Number two, we need revelation over information. It's okay to get counsel. It's good to get wise counsel. It's biblical. But friends, your aim, your self-focus needs to be the hear the voice of God speaking to you and that you would have a revelation of him, from him, about him. You need revelation 
over information. Number three, we follow the leader. We follow Jesus as our example. We look to him and to the the standard that he set. And number four, we anticipate the trial. We know it's coming. We're not guaranteed an easy life. But friend, we take heart knowing that Jesus is with us, that he'll help us overcome no matter what we face, and that we have an eternal hope that is coming. So, friends, I really hope this speaks to you. I want to encourage you that, especially for those of us who are in trial, coming out of trial, and I guess as one final thought, friends, it's so easy to let um, trial and suffering harden our hearts that we can become embittered, really, towards other people, towards people we feel like have failed us or have done us wrong, towards life we can become cynical and our heart heart starts to get calloused. And friend, if that's you right now, I just feel like this is a word from the Lord. There's nothing we can do in and of ourselves to fix that. But friend, we know the healer. We know the one who um, knows our heart and knows us far better than we know ourselves. And friend, uh, you continually coming back to the Lord, kind of doing some of these steps like praying that Lord Keep my heart soft. Show me where it's hardened. Encountering the Lord, getting revelation from Him, having encounter with Him. That is what allows that to break off. And I uh, just feel compelled to share this. I have seen people close to me in life who have um, maybe even would by all human standards be justified and right to um, be hurt, to have these wounds, but left untreated by the great physician. Those things soured. Those wounds got bitter. And now it's decades of callousness that just keeps getting harder and harder. And it's preventing um, not only from them experiencing the Lord, but it prevents us from seeing clearly. And friend, I don't want that for your life and I don't want that for my life. So we need to come to the Lord and let him do the work that only he can do. He will do the work. He will bind up your wounds. He can set you free from anything that you've been uh, stuck in. (laughs) He can bring clarity He can be anything that you need, but you have to come to him. So I want to encourage you with that. Don't let the trials of life make you calloused and make you bitter and make your heart sick. So let's pray and we'll just lift just our hearts up to the Lord. So God, we trust you. 
we're choosing to trust you. Maybe we, maybe we don't fully right now. Maybe we're realizing, oh, there's parts of me that don't. But Lord, we want to trust you. Help me in my unbelief. Help me in my distrust of you. God, I pray for revelation, supernatural encounter with the living God that would radically heal those wounds and the, the weariness and the, the burden that is in our, in our hearts for the trials that we've carried. And God, I thank you that I just think about that scripture in Matthew where your yoke is easy and your burden is light. Lord, that when we come to you, that I, I just see you picking up this weight off of people's shoulders, no matter what the trial looks like, no matter the opposition, that you are the lifter of the load and you have all the muscle and all the power and all the authority to lift that off us, to give us reprieve, to give us shelter. And so God, I just pray over those listening for every ear, every ear that's listening. God, that this would be um, tools in the tool belt to help armor them up, to equip them. Lord, and I pray that you would speak to your people as you do, God, that you can, you are such a personal God and you, this isn't just like a um, one size fits all, but God, no, you want to use this to minister to specific hearts with specific needs and specific circumstances. So I pray that you would do that. I trust that your word goes out and it doesn't return void and that you are going to do the work in people's hearts that needs to be done. I pray that this would encourage people, pray that it would um, stir up hope and faith in people's hearts that know my God is with me. My God is for me. So Lord, we trust you. Help us to see you rightly. Help us to um, be able to zoom out from like a five foot view to like a 10,000 foot view of our life to realize what you're doing what you're trying to achieve in us. But God, also that this is momentary. Give us perspective that only you can give. We love you, Lord. Help us to see you rightly. In Jesus' name, amen. Well, hey, love you so, so much. Very sincerely, I pray that this so touches your heart and encourages you. And that it would, uh, like I said, just be tools in your tool belt to equip you to, uh, man, just like I said, get that perspective to let your faith just be stirred up that no, like God is for you. And uh, sometimes we just have to realign with truth. We have to just recalibrate. So I pray this helped you do that. Uh, praying that you have a good week and we will see you next Tuesday with our next episode of Trials in Trib. See you later.